0: coming up on today's show, the browns dominate monday night football. We break down the dub and try to figure out who the falk was playing qb for the jets. We have Tomaflock member CJ
1: McCollum, one of the greatest players in NBA history, joining the show. We discuss the Browns big win, Odell's watches, and draft the best football players in the NBA. Big Ben is out, Daniel Jones is in, and Adam Venetieri is still kicking. All this and much, much more on an exciting episode of The Tomahawk Show!
2: Billy Roberts from Medway, Ohio. The Browns got a Monday Night Football win, baby! Boys, it's Victory Tuesday! So I was just thinking about it. 73 plus 16 is 89, which is the number of yards that Odell Beckham scores that amazing touchdown on joe hawk yourself
0: welcome ladies and gentlemen to the tomahawk show it's your boy the king of all digital media as joe likes to call myself and i also like to call (laughs) myself uh and your humblest co-host obviously i'm humble andrew hawkins joined by the Tama to my hawk joseph hayden thomas joe what's new in your world this fine wednesday
1: Yeah, uh, great Wednesday. It's uh, an exciting week. The Browns are back to 500. They are back in the thick of the AFC North race, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. Uh Uh, But I'm always feeling good, even though the game uh, on Monday night wasn't what I had hoped from the Browns' offense. I still feel good that they got the win, and they got some things to build
0: on, and we'll talk about it more on the show later. Okay, so are you that much of a loser that anytime I ask you how you're feeling, it always ties directly back to the Cleveland Browns? Well, pretty you, much you when that? we're doing
1: an NFL podcast, that's exactly okay. how
0: I'm I'm doing because uh,
1: my falls revolve around the Browns in the okay. NFL. And uh, you're weak too. You know what? I'm, I, that's some great criticism. That's I, I appreciate critical feedback, okay. and so I will come up with a non-football related <laughs> how I'm doing next time.
0: It, it's good because as Browns fans and a lot of Browns fans are related to this, how the Browns play literally dictates the week. So, well, that, that's why the Browns
1: fans, and that's how I was when I was a kid growing up in Wisconsin. If the Packers won, I was going to have a great week. If right. they lost, I was going to be in misery for at least three days. Yeah. So, you know, by the time Thursday, Friday roll around, you're starting to look forward to the weekend game. And you're not looking backwards anymore. But that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that is 100% dictated by the success of your team yeah. from
0: that past weekend. Facts, just, it's just football fandom. I was like that with the Bengals. I had a lot of rough weeks as a Bengals fan in the 90s. Okay, all right, so listen. There's a ton of ways you can interact with the show at Tomahawk Show, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. We have a Tomaflock fan page that you can come interact and uh, say whatever you'd like to. Ridiculousness is encouraged here. Also, leave us a voicemail, 440-628-1376 to drop us. Crazy uh, hot takes, questions. So, yeah, if you're listening to the show, check us out on YouTube. We do a video show once a week. Like, subscribe, rate five stars, all of that good jazz. On today's show, we have another edition of Player Wednesdays where we bring a player on. The player today is not a football player, technically, C.J. McCullum. He is a Canton native, number one Browns fan, definitely uh, one of the, the top officials of the Cleveland Browns hype train. Uh, and we answer all your listener questions in our segment of pick six. But first, let's get to dog check. Dog check! Browns played Monday Night Football, Joe. You already talked about it a little bit. I'm not going to lie, bro. I was a little disappointed in how the Browns played. I was excited because we got the W. But I felt like we probably should have dominated more on a team that was down to their third quarterback. Um, and just it and offensively, most importantly, it doesn't seem like we've quite found our identity yet. Yeah,
1: that was the big disappointment coming out of the Monday Night Football game was you wanted to see Baker and OBJ and that offense get into a little bit of a rhythm. You wanted them to build some momentum, especially when you look forward. And on Sunday, they're playing the Rams on Sunday Night Football, which will be no laughing matter because the Rams are a real football team. Let's be honest. The Jets are not a very good football team. Even with Sam Darnold there, they knew it was kind of a rebuilding season. Mm -hmm. Without Sam Darnold, they're dreadful. They're going to be one of the worst five to seven, I'm going to say, football teams in the NFL this year. And so beating them, yeah, it felt good getting the one W in the win column. But it was not a monumental feat. And by the end of the
0: game, I was feeling good, but I wasn't feeling satisfied. One thing that made me excited, one of the big takeaways is, again, I've been I've been, uh, uh, the president of the Odell Beckham wide receiver fan club. Everyone asks me, like, who do you think the most talented receiver is in NFL? And I always say Odell. I don't think people realize how gifted that dude is, man. And I, I, maybe they do, but... Just last night, just watching in a Browns uniform, watching the same kind of dominance, the one-handed catch. Like, I could get that pass 100 times. This isn't saying much, but (laughs) you could throw me that pass 100 times, and I would never, not one time out of 100 could I make a catch like that. Now, the catch and run, a, I, I, that's something that I could do. You well, know? that's what
1: I'm wondering. If if you were in OBJ's shoes and you caught that little slant against the most awful defense I've ever seen Greg Williams <laughs> run, they decided to cover OBJ with a linebacker. That's a Genius. really good idea, which he wasn't even covering him. I think it was just a total bust. But Baker, to his credit, got the ball to OBJ in stride so OBJ could keep running to the end zone. And he easily pulled away from that secondary. Andrew Hawkins, you're in his shoes. Do you run for a touchdown or do you get caught from behind? Right now? No, no. In my prime. In your heyday. In, in my your heyday. In prime
0: when you were 31 years old and playing for the Patriots. Okay. Do you get caught from behind? Okay, I'm going to go heyday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it back to in my prime, which was not when I was 31 years old and playing for the Patriots. <laughs> <Let's be laughs> that was be very uh, But in my prime, yes, I'm taking that to the house. And no okay. one's catching me. Okay. That's not what your Madden rating says, but we'll yeah, go with it. Yeah, they got it wrong. I was a 94 speed in Madden. Okay. Joe, you seen firsthand, you seen me take it to the house against shitty defenses when I played for the Bengals and we played you guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and we played the Browns. No, I, I tell you what. My bright spot for the game was Miles Garrett. And anybody that watched this game, anybody that was able to stay awake to see the whole thing, because let's be honest, it was never in doubt from the beginning. And there right. really wasn't a lot of exciting moments in the game other than maybe Odell's long uh, catch and run. But. Miles Garrett was playing with his hair on fire. Clearly, it was sort of a revenge game for him because he has stated in no uncertain terms that he hated Greg Williams and he did not like playing for him. Which is funny. And he to wanted me. to
0: show him. It's funny how much like the players are coming out like, Yeah, we hate Greg Williams because there was a there was a real life campaign going to make him the head coach of the Browns." Yeah.
1: Well, thankfully they didn't do that because uh, Demarius Randall said he would have asked for a trade <laughs> immediately if that would have Jeez. happened. But I, I mean, I can understand. I, like Greg Williams is an old school macho coach from like let's say the '80s. He challenges his players. He wants to see what type of people they are. He uses a lot of machismo and macho terms, and he gets in people's faces and he uses a lot of questionable language my mom wouldn't be too happy to hear and I'll tell you one time I was sitting in our meeting room because the offensive line meeting room in, in Berea shares a wall with the defensive meeting room uh-huh. and we would be sitting in there calmly going over film talking boring offensive line technique and schemes. I, I believe there's a scene from *Inglorious Bastards where Hitler's got his generals in the room and he's just undressing him and basically in German telling him I'm going to execute you and all of your family uh-huh. uh, and then they they go to the next Scene, and there's people in the room next door, and they're listening and they're fearing for their own lives. But also, clip. they're feeling really, really sad for those poor bastards that are in that room yeah. with Hitler going bananas. And I I'm not kidding you, that happened multiple times when we're just sitting there minding our own business in the O-line meeting room and Greg Williams is over there treating these people like <laughs> absolute doggy doo-doo. And I'm just looking around, and we there was times when we had to stop the meeting because the F-bombs and the screams and the yelling were so loud and so humiliating that we could not believe what was happening. But Greg Williams' whole thing is he wants to build this bully tough guy mentality on that defense. Uh-huh. So He challenges you and he actually wants to see you stand up and challenge him back. And once you challenge him back... He's like, okay, we're cool. But until you challenge him back, he's going to just keep going at you yeah. harder and harder and harder until he either breaks you or you challenge him back. And for a lot of guys, especially in today's day and age with the NFL, that doesn't play all that well with a lot of guys. Right. And so it clearly it didn't play that well with a lot of Browns players because they did not like him very
0: much, and they talked about it all week. Well, then him and OBJ are best friends now because he <laughs> challenged well, who? OBJ. OBJ who? Pre-game, and OBJ went off on his Like, it looked – He looked like a grown man playing against kids. Like I did. I I
1: gotta say, right after the game, too, OBJ and Baker were asked about Greg Williams's comments about OBJ, and he said he was not a dynamic player essentially. And Odell had a great response because he goes, "Who?" Greg, who who's that (laughs) but then i tell you what then so not only did he kind of stick the needle in a little bit Uh he stick the knife in greg's back he twisted a little bit but then i was really impressed because he went with the mature patriots approach after that he says you know what i'm not worried about that i'm just focused on the next game he didn't get sucked into the trap and it was like a sunshine moment after a day of clouds (laughs) and rain because i was like you know what odell he gets it like he has become the mature professional player that we had all hoped when he got to Cleveland, and he talked about it this week. He says, I've never been so happy with my career, and you can see it with the words and with the
0: way he was playing out there uh, on Monday night. That's the benefit of Cleveland. There's nothing else to do except focus on your craft. It's beautiful, man. It's a, it's a great play. Shout out to J.R. Smith for the Cleveland approach, revitalizing careers <laughs> for years and years. All right, so what are some areas... of of improvement that you think we have to focus on as a team with Cleveland?
1: Well, I think one thing that I'm really worried about is third down performance, uh, four for 13 last night, Uh really bad in the first game because of penalties by and large. But, the Browns need to be much better on third down because that's the money down in the NFL. That's where you keep your offense on the field. That's where you're going to get an opportunity to get a new set of downs to continue to move the ball down the field. Uh And if you're continually getting knocked off the field on third down, it's going to be hard to score because once you play those really good teams, you're not going to be able to just count on OBJ running in 80 yard slant passes. Like those are things that don't happen. Good teams are going to make you go the long, hard way when the Browns play the Patriots in the AFC championship game this yeah, year, yeah. they're not going to have any 80 yard passes to Odell as much as I'd like to see that the Patriots are going to make them go the long, hard way. Cause they're not going to have these huge wholesale busts. Like we saw the jets on Monday night football.
0: Yeah, the Browns, I think there's only two teams behind them in third down conversion percentage, and it's the Dolphins and the Titans. Mm. And those Mm. are not two teams that people are looking at like, oh, this is one of the best offenses in the league. Like they were the Browns. So I just feel like as an offense, yo, there's not really like an identity. Like I don't know, like we're not running the football great. We have Nick Chubb. Like, last year, once Kitchens took over the offense, it was very clear he was going through the running back position, whether that was Duke mm-hmm. in the pass game, Nick in the run game. Like, it was, hey, we're going to start here because this is the strength of our offense. Now, it's just it's just kind of all over the place. We've seen way too many plays where Baker is just kind of – he's doing his thing because he's talented, but he's just running around trying to make a play out of something that seemed like it broke down originally. So, that's an area of concern for me. And yeah,
1: I, I would – Yeah, Uh, another area of concern for me is the amount of hits that Baker's taken. Um, Sacked three times again on Monday night, and for a franchise quarterback, you can't be getting hit as much as he was getting hit. The ball needs to come out of his hands faster, and that's everybody on offense, including the coaches. That's the coach designing and teaching the plays correctly. That's the quarterback going through his reads and his progressions and understanding the defense that's receivers getting open, running the right routes versus the coverage that they're seeing, single safety versus split safety looks. Um, that's the offensive line blocking it up. But mm-hmm. I think one thing you're going to see because Monday Night Football – uh, Baker was confused a little bit with the pre-snap reads from the coverage standpoint. I'm not sure if you saw that hawk, but there was multiple times when he thought it was zone and it was man, and there was it was man, and he thought it was zone, and so he's throwing routes that are good versus man or zone, and it was the other thing. And so I think Greg Williams was able to confuse him a little bit. And one thing that you can do, and you know this because you were really good at this in your career, in order to get a good man zone read, is to do pre-snap yep. shifts and motions. We'll that really forces the. Deep Defense to show us what their hand is because if you send Andrew Hawkins running across the formation, uh, a, an X fly, yeah, all of a sudden, if one guy runs with him, man it's man, man coverage. Man. If everybody kind of shifts over and takes little different steps, then you know it's zone. And once you get that read, then you can understand okay, the right side of this route concept is my zone. Uh, beaters the left side is my man beaters so now I only have to work half the field Mm -hmm. Uh, right now the Browns are in the bottom five of using pre-snap shifts and motions Uh, do you know who's the team that uses the most pre-snap pre-snaps shifts and motions in the NFL Hawk Dallas Cowboys They're doing a really good job with it, and that's part of the resurgence of Dak, but the team that uses the most at almost 75% of the time is actually the Patriots. Oh, okay. that's part of the reason Tom Brady is so good, and he hardly ever throws to the wrong guy because every play they get to the line of scrimmage, he knows if it's man or zone and all those receivers do. So don't be surprised if you see the Browns using many more shifts and motions pre snap to make sure they're getting the right throws to the right guys so that Baker's not putting his receivers in harm's way, throwing against a, a slant against a linebacker that's sitting that hole or, uh, you know, when you're throwing back shoulders against zone coverage or, you know, some of these defenses that aren't so good uh, against those zone coverages. Also, why is Miles Garrett getting so many penalties? Because he wanted to murder okay. anybody yeah. on the field okay. to send a message to Greg Williams. He's a murderer. Got it. No, I honestly, I think he was playing with an emotional level that we haven't seen from Miles before. Now, Except in week one when he got similar penalties. He got similar penalties, but he got more of them in this game, including <laughs> breaking the ankle of poor Trevor Simeon Holy on shit. one of them. Uh, that's going to be a big fine. What do we think the fine will be for Miles this week? Because he's a re- repeat offender now in week two. Of he better be NFL careful. He's, he's going
0: to get into the Indominus, uh,
1: Vontez yeah. Burfict category. Yeah, I believe he'll be fined fifty thousand dollars for his hits this week. Wow, are you are you taking the over or the under? I'm taking the under.
3: The real tomahawk question is: Did he get his money's worth?
0: Did he get his fucking money's worth? Is a great <laughs> question. That's what I said. I, I'm I'm saying like. I said during the game yesterday, and I, f- I forget who got the original penalty. Maybe it was somebody in the Jets, but I was like, I'm not against a 15 yard penalty if you get your money's worth. Because if you get a good lick on a quarterback, as long as it's not dirty, if it's a bang bang, I, honestly, just as a competitor, I want you to think about me hitting you. I want you to think, like, when I'm in your vicinity, that you're going to rush a throw because you think now nah, I'm going to, I'm going to, Plaster you like that is an advantage, and that's a that's even a bigger conversation just in in football in general. Like even the Greg Williams, uh, oh, is he getting players hurt? Is he not? I don't know. I've never been in a Greg Williams locker room or meeting. I've never heard him coach. But to be honest, as a player, when I'm out there, I'm, I'm not doing anything dirty to hurt anybody. But if it's in the rules, if you get hurt. I'm I'm not worried about it. That's just real because people are trying to kill me out there and That's true. it's a it's a it's a tough guy mentality. Like football is not for everyday people, which is why not everybody can play football at that level. These people move like cars, and when they hit you, mm. like you've seen in the Miles Garrett hit, that mm. shit hurts. So mm. you it's a kill or be killed world when it gets on a football field. So if I hit you and I take you out of the game, As long as the tit is not illegal, as long as it's not dirty, as long as it's not after a whistle or after the play, if you get hurt, honestly, that's the price of doing business. The Miles Garrett hit
1: was not worth it for one simple reason. It was on Trevor Simeon. The <laughs> yeah, Browns were going to win that game. True. Whether Trevor Simeon was quarterbacking the Jets or Nick Falk was quarterbacking the Jets, who I thought Nick Falk was their kicker from like 10 years ago, but apparently he has <laughs> revitalized himself as a young a quarterback. quarterback. It's for actually the Luke. Jets. Luke. That's Luke. Well, Luke. there you go. That's Luke, probably why Nick's it's Luke, Luke gives,
0: Falk. A <laughs> gives
3: a folk. Who gives
1: a Falk? Clearly that. it didn't matter who was quarterbacking
3: that <laughs>
1: so it was not worth it but clearly if they're in a in a competitive game against a team that's better than the jets you can't have miles getting all sorts of personal fouls because yeah. those can be devastating it, we're kind of making light of it right now but in a competitive game those are the penalties no, that absolutely. you can't have
0: and again I, I wasn't even referring to just the, the trevor Simeon hit like i would never want somebody to get hit but when When Miles is going up against a top tackle and it's like a tough guy versus tough guy mentality, it's like the prison. You get to prison, you fight the biggest guy. You got to let everyone else know, hey, man, this ain't no cakewalk. When I got to Cleveland, the first person I disrespected, Joe Thomas, off the rip. He's like, hey, put his hand out. Nice to meet you, but I slapped his hand away. You earned the right to touch me. And I this walked is a true off. story. Nobody messed with me my entire time. They're like, man, that little dude, man, he don't got it all. So, so from that, that, that
1: moment forward, from I that said to myself, forward. if there's one thing I do in my NFL career, I want to <laughs> earn the right to touch Hawk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is why I pose this question to you. Have I earned the
0: right to touch you yet? Okay, this is getting weird now. <laughs> all right, now it's time. Wednesdays are for the players, and we're going to give a shout- to our player up now, CJ McCullum. Dial him up.
1: Hello. 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 You've reached the Tomahawk. Line.
0: CJ, what's happening, bro? What's going on? Hawk? How you doing? I'm good, man. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show. You sleep? No, I'm good. I sound like I'm asleep. You sound like you got your head in a pillow, man. Like you just like you celebrated the Browns win all night last night.
2: Uh, I did celebrate. That's right. true. I had, <laughs> I had a long morning of workout
0: so I'm just relaxing. Look at the overachiever, man. I, I love it. I love it. That's Ace. how you say the
1: best. CJ Joe Thomas here. How does CJ McCollum relax after a big Browns win? Because that's really the question that I want to know. Uh, above all other things, what are you doing in New York City relaxing after watching the Browns dismantle the New York Jets last night?
2: First of all, pleasure to speak to you, man. Been a Brown fan
3: for a long whoa, time. Whoa, appreciate, whoa, whoa, appreciate whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Notice how he didn't give that you same reverence to
3: park, Hawk. He I appreciate perked that.
0: up when he heard Joe's voice?
1: <laughs> 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 he said,
2: Pleasure to talk to you, Hall of Famer. What appreciate the hell? Your services. <laughs> Thank appreciate it. I already know man. you talk. So all we, right, all we, right, We already friends. <laughs> so <I had> <laughs> appreciate your services for, for all of us. And I'm sorry you had to go through some of the things you went through as a player. <laughs> um, but... Man, my fiance's first Browns game. She used to be oh, Eagles fan. She's mm. now a member of the dog pound. I've officially um, allowed her to become a part of the franchise. It's a big gift for its foreseeable future. Her jersey is on the way. Custom jerseys, obviously, nice. um, with, mm. with creative nicknames on the back. But no, we we had a great time, and we had some adult beverages. Kicked our feet back. Um, Hot dogs, chips and guac—you know the the usual. Love it. She's a, more of a beer beer fan, so I think she has some Blue Moon or something like that. Maybe some Heineken—I mm. can't remember. Mm. Um, Budweiser, who knows? But <laughs> I think when we go to Cleveland, she's got to get Bud Light because they break them open. So that's what we'll do. And uh, we just, we had an amazing night of watching. My fantasy team ended up winning. I had uh, Baker and Odell on one team. So I was able to get the win uh, thanks to that 89-yard touchdown. And just kind of mm. relived it, understanding that we're 1-1. One and one, But then reality sets in as a player because you see the schedule. You mm. see Ugh. the Rams mm. coming to town. And you start mm. to think about how that week one letdown is going to kind of bite us because now mm. we got the Rams, mm. got the Patriots, got the Seahawks. Got the Raven. We have all these teams coming up and uh we really kinda let one slide. But I just enjoyed the win knowing that tomorrow's not promised. <laughs>
1: Well, Hawk's been talking about trading me out for a new podcast co-host. And uh, clearly yes. with your knowledge of the Browns right now that Easy. you just dropped on us, I think he's willing to trade me oh for gosh. anything in order to get you to be sitting in this chair right now. So uh, thank you so much for being on with us. That's enough
0: from CJ McCollum. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'm on the phone with his agent right now trying to, trying to make this thing happen. Like, you know what, Joe's cool and all, but. You know, we can get the basketball. We can get the. You know what's funny? People were 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 wasn't someone trying to get us to do a podcast together way back in the day? CJ, or am I wrong? Am I mistaken? Yeah, I believe.
2: No, I believe so. I think it was when I probably when you were. The First time you were on ESPN when you went on before you was a full time yeah. employee you was just working. Wow, I think
0: we had talked about it. There you go. This is some years. This is some years ago. though. This it's is a while, while ago. Though. Missed opportunities and now I'm stuck with Joe. All right, so yeah. you're feeling good. How wh- how are you feeling as far as the Browns? Fan? Like we got the W. It wasn't pretty. We took an L in week one. Like overall, like how are you? What is the state of the Browns and the, the big names and how it just as a franchise, as a fan, as a member of the dog pound? What's your general feeling?
2: I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that I've learned to not put my eggs in too many baskets and looking at the NFL and how important each week is, how important each game is, and then the, the room for error is very thin, especially with injuries, especially with different things that can happen week to week. So just being cautiously optimistic that we could be 0-2. Um, obviously, we played a Jets team who was depleted of injury. Uh, starting quarterback, second-string quarterback, gets knocked out. So um, that was a very winnable game. Not to say that they aren't NFL players. They are NFL players, but that's a game we should win on paper when they're starting quarterback and backup quarterback gets hurt. Um, but looking forward, man, we just got to tighten up penalties. You know, those things bite you, you know, in the long run. You're playing against an elite team. Like we've lost games on missed field goals in the past. We've lost games on, on penalties, late hits, offside, holdings, false starts. You know, those types of situations to where you just have to tighten those things up because you see how elite the elite teams are, the Patriots, the Rams, um, the Saints before Drew, Drew Brees just knocked out the Chiefs, uh, how they don't settle for field goals in the red zone. They get touchdowns. They get six on the board. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to get to that point, and we're not there yet. So as a fan, I just, I'm just i just cautiously optimistic. I know we have potential to be great, but we got a long way to go.
1: One of the bright spots from last night was Odell Beckham's slant route that he took about 80 yards to the end zone. Uh, I think he had six catches for 150, 160 yards last night. Uh, obviously, we're all big Odell fans right now, but the watch, everybody's talking about the watch Too again Millie. because last week he went with the merely $200,000 watch. Yeah. This week I'm he went with it. the $2 million Richard Milley watch and I got to hear it from CJ. What do you think about Odell wearing a $2 million watch in pregame warm-ups? Man, I've seen that.
2: For what I want to say, that watch was nice. It was a very nice watch. I'm not very. <laughs> Nobody's not big saying on it's not a great Richards.
1: watch. We're very jealous. I'm not, <laughs> I'm
2: not very big on those style watches. The Richards. I'm more of an AP guy myself, but Ugh, I think so I think it's I think Golly. it's really nice. But I wouldn't. And not to judge people, but I wouldn't wear it during the game because I would just. They're like my little babies. It's like it's literally like a baby to me, and I just value mm. my baby so much. I would I wouldn't put her out there mm. in this type of environment to where she can be damaged yeah. after mm. I spent all this money on her. But I think it's mm. just. His way of enjoying life, like you said before, he doesn't take them off. And and I think because there was such a big deal made of it in the first game that he wanted to kind of one-up what he was doing in game two and really show him that, look, man, I'm going to be me, I'm going to do me, and I'm going to go produce. And as long as he's producing the way he's capable of, honestly, I don't care what he does with his life <laughs> in his spare time. I don't care if he wants to wear a watch on both wrists. <laughs> oh. um, if he, <laughs> If he wants to do that. Which is a little wild. He can, as long as he's going to continue to catch everything in sight and make plays for
1: for our
3: franchise. I th- you can-
1: I think that's exactly the model the Browns are taking. But uh, now we all know that you value your baby at exactly $2 million. Me, if my kids are listening, I value them much more than $2 million. So kids, you can rest easy. I wouldn't trade you for a $2 million watch, but I would think about it. Uh, In the NBA, are you guys allowed to wear watches during games? Because this was a conversation from last week. Nobody had even seen an NFL player ever wear a watch because there's zero reason for ever needing a watch. But I don't think it was actually necessarily against the rules. Isn't against the rules in the nba honestly
2: i have no idea i'm gonna go with (laughs) it's against the rules though because um jewelry is not allowed you can't wear earrings you can't wear necklaces Mm. i would imagine that a watch falls under that line of thinking i've seen guys wear rubber bands things of that nature but uh, certain objects, the nba is not signing off on just Um, can't do it we can't even wear different color socks you can't your socks have to be a certain color yeah. Headbands have to have logos on them. Your tights have to be Nike sign has to be shown on your tights. Like this is like all these rules and regulations that we have on on gear. So I would imagine that if you come out there with with a watch, especially if it's not an NBA sponsor watch right there's an official sponsor (laughs) of the nba there's no way they're letting you go out there you can maybe do an apple watch (laughs) in warm-ups but that's the extent of it
0: if it's like if it's branded with an nba logo then maybe they'll let it slide see nba players (laughs) are different like you guys have all those rules because everyone can see your face you don't have to like search for individualism we know who you are football players man we got to do literally anything to stand out like wear two million dollar watches um, in the middle of a football game. I don't even think insurance would cover that if something happened to that watch. Like, how do you take that to your insurance company and say, yeah, I got tackled in a football game? I don't think they would reimburse you.
2: Yeah, that's all, yeah, that's going right on the homeowners. You got to just, you got to pretend that it was stolen or something. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how you get away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope you guys don't have ESPN because you saw my watch get destroyed <laughs> on national TV,
0: but I think it was stolen. I don't know what happened was, to it. You're not, you're not football fans, are you? Okay, great. Yeah, it was stolen. <laughs> All right, speaking of NBA, CJ, what we're going to do is we're going to switch it up here. We didn't have this plan, but you're on here. It's like it only only makes sense. We're going to do a draft. The Tomahawk Show is known for our drafts. We haven't done one in like 10 years, it feels like. So this is a good time to do a draft. What we're going to be drafting is NBA players for a football team. So it's going to be three rounds. It's all three of us. We're the captains. We get to pick three NBA players for a football team. Regardless of position, we're going best available. And we're gonna let the fans vote who has the best squad. Um, we all get three players. We all get three players. I don't know who's gonna who's right. gonna pick first. I feel like now Joe. Look at the
2: losses.
0: Yeah, I feel like Joe should pick first. The NBA player he wants is a football player because in all of our careers, he clearly has the most losses. So naturally, he would get the that first overall sense. pick. I would probably yeah. get two, uh, and then CJ, who is not much as much of a loser as either of us. He can he can pick <laughs> third overall in the first round. All right, I'm my
2: fair share of losing. I just want to throw that out there. Okay, all right. thank I'm you. My share.
0: <laughs> yes, all right, we'll, well, we'll, we'll take uh-huh.
1: that. What what are the rules? Can you draft a player that's not currently in the NBA but was in the NBA, or do these all have to be current NBA players?
0: Are you trying to draft Charlie Ward first overall? Just wondering. Okay, just ask one, him the question because I'm one of your strategy. Yes, they have to be current <laughs> NBA players. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Tee us up, John. John, the producer is going to be our Roger Goodell slash David Stern slash who's the current NBA commissioner silver. Adam. Silver Adam Silver. Adam silver. Right. Okay. Oh, skinny guy. Sorry.
3: With the first pick in the first round of the Tomahawk football, basketball draft. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Thomas is on the clock. John clearly did not
1: prep for this uh, segment because that was the worst Tomahawk draft intro in the history (laughs) of the Tomahawk draft. So without any further ado, I'm going to say this is the easiest first pick of all time. This is even easier than Baker Mayfield first pick and the Miles Garrett first pick. And even going back to when Peyton Manning was available, number one overall, I'm going with LeBron. He okay. was a outstanding oh, high school football yeah. player, tight end. You could put him on defense. He could basically do anything on the field. So easily he's the number one pick for me. In addition, he's my boss. And so I have to suck up to him. So yeah. all the stars align for my first overall pick, LeBron James. All
0: right. I've seen that one coming. Hawk, you're on the clock. All right. This is not Well, actually, am I allowed to pick CJ McCollum? Is that illegal? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Just make sure we're clear there. All right. So now we're going to change. The big board has changed. I'm <laughs> going to,
2: I wouldn't pick me second. if I were
0: <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go with speed. I need explosion. I need speed. I need some aggression. Um, I feel like he can play a lot of positions. I'm going with Russell Westbrook with my first overall pick. pick. That was a good mm. pick. Thank you. Very good pick. Thank you. Thank you. I was literally just scrolling through teams and I thought he's probably good in football. Yeah, he seems like a football player playing basketball, to be
3: quite honest. <laughs> CJ, you're on the clock. It's Snake, so you get the next two picks. Is it Snake? Oh, yeah, we got to do Snake. Yeah. Okay. All right. I wish I would have known that. I would have made myself the third
0: overall pick, but okay. <laughs> we'll allow it. With the third pick in the
2: 2019 Tomahawk draft, the CJ McCullumers like <laughs> Blake Griffin. Dang, that was my that was next Oklahoma. to my big board. Oh, man. that's a good one. All right, you're back to back, back to back. All right, clock has started. Let me go back and look at the Western Conference.
0: Oh man, he's putting a lot of thought into this. You think Draymond would be a good DN? I've seen Draymond play football. Mm. He was off my big board. <laughs> I've seen Draymond's <laughs> Michigan State spring game footage, and we took him off the big board before the draft. <laughs> oh man, that is hilarious. I'm going to go with John Wall. John Wall, mm. I like it. Okay, so you got your you got your big guy, you got your fast guy,
2: All right? And now you got a speedster who could be a running back if you wanted to, it could be a receiver, it could be a DB. All right, I like Athleticism it. Athleticism off the charts.
0: Okay, yeah, I think the ba- I think the the the, mm. the the central theme here is you got to go with athlete and then some size to you, which brings me to my pick. Team me up, John Hawk.
3: You're on the clock.
0: All right, we don't need much time here because we know where we're going with. The uh, the Andrew Hawks are going with DeAndre Jordan. Good pick. Big guy. I'm trying to think of all the guys that remind me of football players. And DeAndre is one of those guys, super athletic. A little bit on the backside of his career as far as athletic ability goes. Um, doesn't quite fly like he used to. But that's when Joe Thomas played his best, when he wasn't that mm. good. So, perfect. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that. All
3: right. Team me up because I got the last two picks here,
1: and then I'll let these chumps finish it off.
3: With the second and third picks for Team Thomas. Joe Thomas is on the clock.
1: The Joe Thomases will select Kawhi Leonard because he's very quiet. He's a little bit of an assassin. He plays good defense. I feel like he could go all over the field and he would pair very well with LeBron because LeBron could be kind of like the vocal leader. Kawhi could be like that quiet hitman, kind of like Miles Garrett played against the Jets when he was injuring people legally and illegally all over the field on Monday Night Football. With my next pick, I'm going with... A guy who can distribute the ball, who's got one of the quicker first steps in the game, present company excluded. Okay. And that is Kyrie Irving. I knew you were going he's there. He's quick. Ooh, he's fast. He's got a little bit of size. So he, but he can also distribute the football. He could play quarterback. He could play potentially skills player receiver. He could play safety. He's very versatile. He's got whatever you'd like in, uh, I'd say half of the
0: football positions out there.
1: So Kyrie Irving. Kawhi Leonard. I'm feeling good about my team right now.
0: I don't know if how I feel about Kyrie on a football field. He doesn't strike me as a football. He seems strictly B-ball. Like you gotta. Mm. I I don't know. I just can
1: we can we get a ruling commissioner? Are are we allowed to talk about other people's picks, or do we have to pick? Or the time (laughs) has expired? Please,
3: (laughs) trash talk is always welcome on the Tomahawk Draft. Team me up, John. I'm ready with the third pick for Team Hawk. Andrew Hawkins on the clock.
0: I went back and forth with my my last pick. Uh, I wanted to go fat Kevin Love because um, I needed that. I needed more size. <laughs> but since that's not available for my final pick, I'm going with. Hold on.
1: He doesn't uh, even know who he wants to pick. I you know. You should
0: automatically give up your pick. No, okay. I got it. I just changed my mind last minute. I'm not going to tell you who I was going to go with, but I'm going with Cal Kyle Lowry. Cal's got a little girth to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hello, all you want to talk about is how
0: fat guys are That, that you're fat shaming
1: on the no, podcast not fat shaming. It, in it 2019 is a, if
0: anybody knows that size is a benefit as a player it's you who just lost 70 pounds when he got done and was just keeping <laughs> it on to literally just stay in the NFL Cow is he, he's, he's a little bigger he's tough not the fastest guy but again I need tough guys that's just how the Hawks are built so here we are My three team, my three person team is complete. CJ,
3: you're on the clock. Last pick. No need to
2: waste any more time. Mm -hmm. Some people know who they are. Mm. Some people don't. In this moment, I'm taking the freak. He's Greek. Uh, He refers to himself as the freak yeah oh. and it was a sleeper pick because I thought one of you was going to steal him from me. But I'm glad I was able to capitalize. You're talking about a guy who's fast, who's athletic, mm-hmm. you can put him on defense, yep. you can put him on offense. He, he could be a guard, a tackle. He could be an outside linebacker. He could be a DN. You talk about pat downs at the line. We have all mm-hmm. that and more, and jump balls in the end zone. I, I,
0: I like it. I, I'm I'm a, I'm against anybody over six nine. I don't think can play football. That's just my thing. I'm not. You
3: I'm drafted not. DeAndre Jordan.
0: Well, I mean, as a, as a skill guy. <laughs> Thank you. Dynamite drop in by the way. <laughs> there. All right. As a skill guy, no. All right. I'm contradicting myself. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna let the fans vote who has the best NBA, NFL, basketball, football player. Tomahawk draft of 2019. Um, yeah, and I I think I feel good about my picks, Joe. What do you, what are you what are your thoughts process right now? How are you feeling?
1: I think that Hawk, you're clearly the worst. Uh, CJ, you're right in the middle. You're a C student here at the Tomahawk draft and me, I think I'm an A plus. I got the top three guys on my big board, which is exactly what everyone always says after the draft. We got exactly the guys we want and none of the guys we didn't want. I think
0: Super Bowl is in my very, very near future. All right. So Joe's an idiot, obviously. Um, but before we get you out of here, CJ, let's talk about your pod. You got the pull up podcast, which was named one of the top podcasts in Esquire. Like, first off, how does that feel? And B, who did you pay off so we can also get them on the payroll so we can start to get in some of those lists as well? Man, it's an honor and a privilege to be mentioned with some of the great podcasts. And, I mean, I just want to shout out some of the
2: podcasts that didn't make it, given I know there were a lot of great podcasts that weren't fortunate enough to make to the top 15. But honestly, I had no idea that Esquire did these types of ratings. I was baffled uh, when I seen our name listed amongst the elite, and uh, thankful that uh, we have people that actually listen to our podcast enough to even want to comment on it in that nature. So, uh, it's cool. I haven't paid anybody off yet. Uh, I wouldn't know who to pay off okay. within with the Esquire tree. But when I do find out, I'll let you know after the game is made for next year.
0: It's upsetting because <laughs> the guy who wrote the list has actually followed me on Twitter, and I follow him for like the last seven years. And I'm like, dude, I thought this was why we were, fe- were we're Twitter fans. Like, what is the point of being Twitter friends if you're not going to just throw me into lists? This- like this, you know what I'm saying? So it's all good. Pull up podcast is legit. You are actually a journalism major in college. So people are typically surprised when athletes are so good at this, but you are a guy who's literally been studying it and preparing for it your entire career, even in college. Uh, so, A, is this something you're going to continue to do when you get done playing, even though you've made $700 million? And B, <laughs> Who are some of the other sports media people that you look to that you think, oh, you see and like, hey, he's doing a pretty good job or she's doing a pretty good job?
2: Um, definitely something I want to continue doing uh, once I retire, continue to figure out uh, ways to be interactive, share stories, tell stories, do interviews, conduct interviews, and uh, just be a part of sports and entertainment in general. So I will be a part of that. And some people I look uh, up to in this business um,
0: Whew, that's a good question. Wow. Uh, wow. I've read some. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is harder than drafting NBA players
2: for you, huh, CJ? <laughs> Extremely hard. I mean, I follow a lot of people from afar and just kind of watch how they've been able to kind of uh, maneuver their way to the top, you know, guys who have played and then go on to have careers, obviously Michael Strahan, guys like that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, retired players Players, you know, on the NBA side, Jalen Rose, some of those guys who have gone and, and done TV productively and successfully. I'm um, more behind the scenes with the writing again, conducting interviews. You have the Mark Spears of the world. Uh, uh, one of my mentors, uh, Gary Howard, is a Lehigh grad. Uh, the first article I ever wrote with the byline, which was Sporting News, and he was the editor in chief at the time, and uh, he gave me my first byline. So people like that who have done a little bit of everything, whether that's writing, conducting interviews, uh, things of that nature. I think they've been influential. And we may not even have a relationship, but I've just kind of watched them a lot.
1: Well, CJ, we really appreciate you having us on your podcast at some <laughs> point. The Pulla Podcast, one of the best podcasts of 2019. When you're going right to the top in media, please, whatever you do, take us with you. Yes, please. Uh, thank you so much for being on. Before I let you go, though, I know it's your birthday on Thursday, September 19th. You got to give us, what is your one birthday wish for the Brownies?
2: Man... For the year, for my future, for one
0: game. Like, with, with, year. With the Give us the of year. Give us the year. What is Give your us wish? A year. Man,
2: a wet dream come true would be a Brown Super Bowl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brown Super Bowl. You can make all of C.J. McCullum's desires come to fruition with the Super Bowl <laughs> for his birthday. C.J., we appreciate you joining us on the Tomahawk Show, man.
2: No problem at all. Thanks for having me. All right, my guy. Peace. All right. Peace
0: big shout out to cj McCullough, man friend of the show friend of the dog pound and tomahawk um yeah no it's it's cool it's weird how knowledgeable that he is i guess it, you're just not used to hearing nba players talk about football you know in, in as much detail as cj does but he's good at what he does this episode is brought to you by hp plus in a world full of smart devices shouldn't your printer be smart too it is with hp plus these printers know when they're running low so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it plus you save up to 50 percent on ink so you can print whatever you want as much as you
3: want any time you want huh that is pretty smart Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Plus. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com slash smart for details.
0: So, yeah, shout out to CJ, man. Because we had CJ on the show and we're doing a bunch of giveaways that I'm just now letting you know about. We're doing a bunch of giveaways on the Tomahawk Show this year. We're giving away two copies of NBA 2K. One for Xbox, one for PS4. Uh, in order to win, what do you do? You enter the Facebook group Tomahawk and you post a picture of you leaving a five-star review of the show in the group, and then we're going to pick one from there. We don't really have a criteria. We're looking for the craziest one. Post a ridiculous picture. You might win a version of NBA 2K. We need you guys to be engaged. We need you to love our show. We're willing to pay you for it in the form of video games. So there you go. Now it's time to move on to our Pick 6 segment.
3: One, two, three, four, five, six, six.
1: This is Pick 6.
0: As you know, our Pick 6 segment is where we pick questions from the audience and we answer them right here on the show. Rob Baldwin Reigns on Instagram wants to know, does the Big Ben injury mean the AFC North is wide open? Joe, your thoughts. The AFC
1: North is not wide open. The Steelers were not the favorites going into the season, although they were going to compete for the crown. But losing Big Ben puts them squarely in last place in the AFC North. Mark my words, when the end of the season comes to a close, the Steelers will be in last place. The Bengals will be in third. The Ravens will be in second. They will be nine
0: and seven. And -hmm. the Browns will be ten and six, champions of the AFC North. Such conviction. All right, follow-up question here. What do you think of the Steelers trading for Minka Fitzpatrick?
1: Well, to me, this means that they really believe in Mason Rudolph, who is their quarterback who's taking over for Big Ben. Mm-hmm. But to me, I think he they are worshiping false idols because why would you trade for a first round pick right now when your defense hasn't played very well right now? You don't really have a lot of weapons on offense. Uh-huh. You just lost Big Ben. How are you going to be able to use Minka Fitzpatrick to make your team significantly better to make a run at a Super Bowl right now? The answer is you can't do it. So what are they doing? They're accumulating good players for the future, but I still think a first-round pick was too much to give up for a guy with an organization in the situation they're in right now, which is the Steelers are in mini-rebuild mode. Big Ben... I don't know if he's ever going to play again for the Steelers, to be honest. When he came out and started talking all about, oh, I'm going to fulfill my contract. I can't wait to play for the Steelers and play the rest of my my contract. You know what that instantly ringed up, rung a bell in my head saying is, Big Ben doesn't think he's ever going to play again and he wants to make sure that everybody knows he can still be around and he's interested in rehabbing and being a coach, getting paid over $30 million a season and he's never going to be back on that field. Because what did we always hear from Big Ben before this? It was always, well, I'm not sure if I want to play. I think I might retire. I don't want to be a mentor. I don't want to be a coach. But now all of a sudden that he's injured, he wants to make sure he can keep collecting that check. So
0: he is pretending to be the choir boy I love it the irony of him actually not wanting them to draft Mason Rudolph like mm. he was mad about that if you remember like and he said he wouldn't mentor him and he wouldn't he wouldn't coach him up and yet here we are all right so I think you pretty much hit that one on the head next question we got is from Rob Dosh all right Rob Dosh on Instagram asked what do you guys think of Eli getting benched after two weeks for Daniel Jones? Are the Giants tripping? That is a good question. Here's what I think. And it's funny because they they benched Eli now and everybody is kind of just like, ah, yeah, it happens. We all kind of figured it. But when McAdoo did it a year ago, mm. we all flipped our noggin for that. Was it two mm. years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago mm-hmm. that when they benched him, it was like, how could you bench a legend? Everything he's done for this organization. And essentially that was the beginning of the end for McAdoo because they ended up firing the guy and, and that was like, you know, the biggest sin he had as a head football coach for the, for the New York giants. But now here we are. Shermer's benching him for a guy that is literally him. So maybe that was a part of their plan the entire time draft a guy who looks and acts exactly like him. And nobody will care when you bench him for him. And (laughs) that's exactly what happened. Like people aren't Uh even tweeting about it. Like they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. He'll get over it. So, I mean, I guess kudos to Shermer, kudos to the Giants, but eventually it, it had to come to it. it, it I, I do feel bad for Eli, and I'm rambling, but I feel bad for Eli because he didn't have weapons to throw to. Daniel Jones also won't have weapons to throw to. Their number one play is give the ball to Saquon.
1: You're always so factual with your takes. I really love them. Um, <laughs> here's my take. Is Eli the reason the Giants suck right now? No, No. their defense is terrible. They have nobody they can throw the football to because of injury and suspension. Eli is not their problem. Their offensive line's playing well. Saquon Barkley's doing his thing. Eli was doing okay. The only reason they benched him is because now they've fully accepted the fact that they're in rebuild mode and they want to get Daniel Jones reps for the future. However, I think this was the wrong time to do it. And here's why. Because when you give a rookie more than half the season, fans... Players, coaches, the front office is going to feel like they've got enough of a book on that player to make a determination about if they're going to be good or not. If Mm -hmm. you play them for less than half the season, you're able to go into that off season and say, okay, he didn't play great, but we've got some things to build on. And we still think he's got this, huge amount of potential that we can work with in the off season and he's going to be a different version of himself next year now that he's playing presumably 14 games they're going to think at the end of the season Wow, we've already seen everything we can see from Daniel Jones and likely being on a bad team, he's going to be playing poorly. Even though he played well in the preseason against backups and vanilla coverages, he is going to struggle as a rookie. He's got no receivers. He's got a bad defense, like we mentioned. He's going to struggle. He's going to play bad, and he risks destroying his confidence. And that's why I think it was too early to play him. He would have been much better off to be able to sit through those first eight games, let Eli play, let Eli take the licks. And then play those last eight games. He wouldn't have got such a critical review that he, like he's going to get from the fans and the coaches in the front office. And they've already committed to him. Let's be honest. He was a first round pick. He was a top pick in the first round. They are committed to him for the, a significant amount of future years and they're not going to be able to get rid of him and they're going to look like total jackasses if they do <laughs> after one season and it's really hard to change a narrative and it's hard to fix broken confidence which is what they're going to risk by playing him for 14 games. Alright, I have no rebuttal to
0: that. You're a Giants you. fan John, what are, your, what are your thoughts? We never ask your yeah, thoughts because we him. don't care, but we'd love to hear your take on this. <laughs> we'll pretend. Yeah, <laughs> As, Just As, nod Joe, trust me.
3: As a Giants fan, I feel like a Browns fan. Okay. Right. I'm also curious. <laughs> Say which, no more. I'm also curious what Joe's thoughts are on Pat Shermer dealing with quarterbacks.
1: So Pat Shermer has yet to prove that he is a good head coach. We didn't win when he was with us in Cleveland. Now he goes back and he was an offensive coordinator a couple times. He did a really good job as of an offensive coordinator, but he's in this bad situation in New York and he really hasn't proven to anybody that he can be a good coach yet. And I I don't blame Pat right now. What I blame is that front office who is stuck in this Neverland, this purgatory right now. They draft Saquon, they keep Eli around, but then they trade Odell and then they start Daniel Jones. They they weren't really willing to commit to one lane of traffic or the other, whether they're in rebuild mode like the Dolphins or whether they're in win now mode by playing an old quarterback and a stud running back. And so because you have these mixed messages and these – two lanes of traffic that they keep trying to drive in it's really screwing the head coach so i don't think pat Shermer's had a a fair shake yet and we really don't know what type of coach he can be because he's just not getting an opportunity for success with
0: the giants yeah all right well let's jump on to the next question we got marius underscore 34 from reddit says how often do you guys read your wikipedia pages joe daily is that what you you typically do It's usually the first thing I do when
1: I wake up in the morning. I check Uh the Tomahawk production text chain and make sure I didn't miss anything since you guys are all living in L.A. And you guys start work at about 1130 in the morning (laughs) and you guys go home at like two in the morning, which is usually it's always 4 a.m. for me, which is usually what time I wake up. So (laughs) when you guys are going to bed, finishing production, I'm waking up and I always check that first. But after that. I check my Wikipedia page because I want to make sure that nothing has changed overnight. That Hawk hasn't tried to sabotage me by (laughs) writing some crazy ass shit on my (laughs) Wikipedia page.
0: I put up your Wikipedia page page right now it says since his departure from jive records joe has released most of his projects independently through ventures uh <laughs> keitar massenberg in 2016 his 12th album my name is joe thomas became his 11th album to score a top five placing on the billboard r&b and hip-hop mm. charts so congratulations joe i'm almost positive that's the joe thomas that we're all speaking of all right next question Twi- <laughs> chuck chuck Chunk, chunk i think it's chunk 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 With a CK17 on Twitter writes, is it just me or does it seem as if Baker isn't playing like himself, airing some throws, leading receivers into bad situations? Am I just being overly critical? We beat this up a little bit
1: at the beginning of the show, but the one last thing I will say is I think that, Baker wants to make the big play so bad and he wants to get Odell involved and he wants to get Odell those touches Mm -hmm. that he might be trying to force the football to Odell now we haven't seen a bunch of throws going to Odell that were just terrible throws that were forced into the coverage over and over again but what we've seen a little bit of is Baker kind of staring at him a little too long rather than just going through those progressions the way he should he seems to want to hold on to Odell a little bit too long with his eyes which is kind of slowing him down to going through the rest of his progressions. I would love to hear what Hawk has to say, because obviously you're a super smart player that played the position. So yep. you understand it much better than I do. But that was my take just watching the TV copy of the last two games.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's going to take time, man, because this, this is the, the, the other side of all the personalities in the locker room because Baker as being the leader, being the quarterback, being the, the, the guy who's tasked with leading this franchise into the next generation is, He's trying to manage those personalities. How do you keep a receiver happy? You give him the ball, right? But the reality is, the best quarterbacks, the ones that you think of, man, that guy really plays a position well, are the guys that it seems simple, but just throw to the open guy. Right, mm. so we can watch Patrick Mahomes throw three touchdown passes to a receiver we've never heard of because if you take away Sammy Watkins, you take away Tyreek Hill. If you take away Travis Kelsey, I'm going to deliver a dart to the to the last guy available. He's going to be open, and he might be the one that has 100 yards receiving. Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, that's who it was, exactly. And on the Patriots' side, it's the same thing. We've seen for years Tom Brady has won Super Bowls just by throwing to the open guy. So I think Baker, as he gets going, as they become more comfortable, as he builds that trust, he's not going to try to force the ball into those situations. And hopefully Freddie Kitchens or, or whoever's calling the plays thinks the same thing. Like, I don't have to make sure I script 15 plays for OBJ and 15 plays for Jarvis and 15 plays for Njoku. And make sure Nick Chubb gets 20. You have to look at what the defense is giving you. And a good offensive mind calls plays for the plays that are available with the defense. And a good quarterback throws the ball to the open guy, regardless of what's on the back of the jersey. I think Baker can do that. That's what made him great last year. It's just going to take a little bit of a time to get used to the personalities and make sure everyone understands we all have the same common goal. Next question. Max Powerway on Reddit wants to know what are the worst and best fields in the NFL? Do you prefer natural grass or turf? Also, worst and best stadium locker rooms in the NFL. I'm gonna to kick this off, Joe. Uh Kay. worst field Pittsburgh Steelers late in mm. November. Mm. Reason being. Pitt plays on there. They also have the Whippo Championships on the field. So one weekend when you're playing in Pittsburgh, there might have been already 15 games played. The grass is terrible. They they water it to slow guys down, I feel like. Terrible place to play as far as the field is concerned. Also, baseball diamonds are terrible. They're doing away with Mm -hmm. them. Oakland Coliseum, those are terrible to fall on. They suck. Worst locker room for me is San Diego Chargers' locker room was terrible. Mm -hmm. They're no longer there, but – I'm glad they're not, because when we went there, it felt like we were walking into um, the projects of <laughs> locker rooms. So yes, it was it was a it was not good living situation to be in those locker rooms. Joe, mm-hmm. your thoughts?
1: I'll try to keep it short. When I was in college, I liked turf fields because I felt like I was a superior athlete, and the turf field gave me better traction, which allowed me to be quicker and faster, and even more superior than my lowly Toledo opponents that we would play in the pre, in the non-conference games in the NFL, however, I was not a superior athlete. So one of my favorite <laughs> fields was actually Pittsburgh Steelers at the end of the season because it leveled the playing field. Those really fast four, six guys that were playing across from me now, they had to play on my speed. Hey. They had to play at that five, 240 speed. And that's so why down. I love natural grass. I loved the wetter, the better. I loved snow games. <laughs> Anything that was going to slow the defense down and make sure that they had poor traction was good for me. Also, I would say the worst locker room in my entire career was at the Old Meadowlands. I'm not sure if you ever played there, Hawk, but it was like the old, old school 1950s showers that were like attached to the cinder blocks on the wall. There yep. was like six of them in a row. None of them had hot water, yeah. and they had like the old metal lockers that you would see like in gym class from like grade school. It was horrible. Uh, that was terrible. Um, the Oakland Raiders. Easily, easily the worst overall experience because when you played on the baseball diamond, it was unsafe. First of all, not only was it ugly and it hurt when you fell in the the dirt part, but it was unsafe because you're going from grass to dirt. And when when you're in left tackle, you can't see behind you. So a lot of times you're stepping in an area you can't see. And when the traction is different and the field is different. A lot of times it's slippery and it can cause some injuries because of that. So that was horrible. But their locker room sucked too. So if it (laughs) rained, it would leak in the locker room. There was rats in the locker room. It stunk because you were near the sewage for some reason. And then – The bathroom facilities were a nightmare. Knights Inn would be insulted by how horrible the bathrooms (laughs) were there because there was like two stalls, first of all, for over 100 people. Knights Inn won't be advertising
0: on our podcast now.
1: And everyone before a game has to take a shit. It's just like what happens in the NFL. The The entire roster from coaches, trainers, players medical staff, everybody goes in there and takes a dump because they're nervous. And when you only have two of those, you can imagine how disgusting that is by the (laughs) start of the game. And then they had like four shower heads and two of them were taken up usually with equipment because there was not enough space for the equipment room so it overflowed into the shower facility so you had Hawk's favorite situation where you have two guys that are uh, rinsing up and then you got guys that are lathering up waiting in line to get a little bit of a rinse and then you would repeat. It was just a horror. Horrible prison situation was disgusting. Is it too the much last, to ask
0: for separate showers? That's all I'm on, saying. Man, this is
1: pro football. The last situation that really sucked, the Buffalo Bills, their facilities really suck. Their field was always super hard. It was just one step above the old AstroTurf. Their oh. lockers were like nineteen seventy-five wood lockers that were still tiny. tight. They're lock- Yeah. It's still an days. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a disgusting locker room. They used to have the, uh, equipment boys from the Buffalo Bills. They would come through with these industrial size Febreze tanks with like, co2 compressed air to spray as they would walk through the aisles of the locker room every hour because it smelled so bad like sewage they were trying to cover up that smell but that still didn't work and then (laughs) there was about 12 or 14 showers for once again about 80 people and half of them wouldn't even turn on and the ones that did turn on didn't have hot water so After a cold game in Buffalo, you were taking a 55-degree shower, which was ridiculous. Uh, So I always hated playing in Buffalo. And unfortunately, I think out of all those stadiums that we've talked about, (laughs) the Buffalo Bills, we probably played there the most. And I think they're still playing in those shitty locker rooms. They
0: are. Same locker rooms. The last game we played there was like minus five degrees, and there was no hot water to shower. It was terrible. Dude, I don't get it. All right. So we have one final question. Uh, This comes from Bailey Rosenberg. Drew Brees' thumb injury was so bad on Sunday that he couldn't pick up a football. What's a simple thing you guys lost the ability to do because of a football injury? Saints fan here, but love the show. Joe Hawk yourself. Hmm. All right. Thanks, Bailey. Let me give that some thought. What is something that I lost the ability to do? I fractured a rib back in the day, and I couldn't laugh for weeks because it hurts so bad. So I had to like, that's, not, gotta be, that's
3: gotta be tough for a guy like you. You I had to, to like
0: purposely not watch funny things, not talk to funny people because it hurt my ribs so bad. The cartilage in my ribs when I laughed. So it was like a couple of weeks that I literally me, My wife was going out of her way to make sure I didn't see anything funny because it hurt so bad.
1: 2012, December 9th, Chiefs Browns, I will never forget we actually won this game. I was going against Tom Bahali, who in his heyday Yo. was one of the most difficult challenges yeah. for a left tackle. He was so quick. He had ninja hands. He worked with uh, this great Taekwondo guy named Joe Kim, who actually came to the Browns, and I learned a lot from him yep. about rushing the passer. And he had these incredibly quick hands, and he had this incredibly quick way, or, way where he could knock your hands down and flip his hips and get past you in one move, where most guys it would take three or four steps because he used the the, Uh, almost jump it was like a jump stop when he would use his hands together but I'll never forget that game because in that game I tweaked my back and during the game it kind of hurt but I didn't know how bad it was going to be and it turned out to be a full one month back spasm that never let up the entire rest of the season and it didn't let up until almost two weeks after the season because what you do is you don't practice and you get a double back Brace. They back plaster you up. They get you all sorts of medicine so that you're not feeling it as much, but you still can't move. When you have a back spasm, all your muscles lock up and you can't move. And so for one month of the season, the last four games of the season, my wife had to tie my shoes outside of, of course, the locker room. Then right. I had my friends that could tie my shoes and I would do. But it. when I was at home, I had to have my wife tie my shoes. I couldn't sit up in bed I'd have to in order to get up I'd have to roll over do a push-up get onto my knees and then get my feet up Um, and so it was at that point where I said I think I'm going to retire because if I ever have to endure this misery where I couldn't tie my own shoes for a month but I was still taping myself up and rolling myself out there to try to play in NFL football games that were meaningless at this point by the way because we were five and 11 or something like that that season uh, I said I didn't want to be any part of it
0: and I ended up playing like six more seasons i was gonna say yeah two more contracts five seasons later here we are <laughs> uh yeah all right so unlike vic fangio and doug marone on this show we go for the extra point and that's what we're gonna oh. do we got one more for you joe you ready
1: extra point
0: extra point data infante on twitter writes what should our realistic expectations be for the rams game we being browns Uh, But imagine. Realistic expectations, you should
1: expect it to be a close game. Okay. If the Browns lose by more than three, you should be disappointed. If the Browns win the game, we should be feeling really good about ourselves as Browns fans. I'm going to say the Browns defense is going to be able to hold up to the Rams. The Browns defense is really, really good. My wife does fantasy football, and the only thing I told her is, Hey, I don't know anything about fantasy football, but the Browns' defense is going to be really good. So pick them. So she did. Of course, what did she do last week before the Browns absolutely dismantled the Jets? She sat them like an idiot. I can't believe he'd do that. (laughs) But anyways... I think the Browns defense can hang with the Rams offense. The question mark right now is can the Browns offense get it together on a short or week because they only have six days to prep versus the usual seven days because they played on Monday night football. Are they going to be able to get it together and get into a rhythm and get some momentum going in this game against a very, very good Rams defense. If they can do that, I think they win the game, but it's going to be a close game.
0: All right. Sounds good. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Fantasy football. My son plays fantasy football. We're in a league. He's first year. He's learning. He's a big Browns fan, as everyone knows. He has Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. I think he drafted him in the first round. He has Jarvis Landry. He has Nick (laughs) Chubb as his running back, and he has the Browns defense. So literally every week hinges on how the Browns play. So yesterday he lost his fantasy matchup by less than a point because I think the Browns gave up a penalty late in the game. Do penalties go against the defense? There was something that happened that it literally took him out of the lead, and he lost by less than a point, and he went to sleep distraught because he lost his fantasy matchup.
3: He's not playing fantasy if you football. He's way. just playing real Browns he's just, football. He's,
0: he's trying to double up fantasy with reality <laughs> so he could just root for the same thing in every situation of life, which is the Browns. You got to respect it. All right. I think so that-
1: Austin went to sleep upset. But you were already asleep, so he clearly was putting himself to sleep. Which yeah, is I don't know. He told me about it. my only the takeaway from that comment. <laughs> I
0: was like, hey, man, who won that game last night? Anyway, all right, I think that does it for this episode of The Tomahawk Show. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you rate us five stars if you haven't already. It's weird because we only have like 7,000 five star ratings, but I know mm-hmm. 1 million of you listen to every episode. So if you're one of the ones that have made it this far in the episode and you haven't yet, subscribe, like, and rate five stars, or I will find you. Mm. Joe, final thoughts.
1: Final thoughts is at the beginning of this show, I said, I'm feeling good because the Browns won on Monday night. But in reality, the reason I'm feeling good is because I was right once again. And Hawk was wrong. Okay. Once again. All right. Adam Vinatieri did not retire (laughs) like Hawk claimed he would on Monday's show. And therefore, I'm feeling really good about things. And additionally, Adam Vinatieri being a big fan and friend of the Tomahawk show, I'm glad he didn't retire after two games because that would have left a bad taste in my mouth. I just hate when guys do this in the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. I didn't like when Andrew Luck did it, even though it was before the season started. I just feel like there's a, a time and a place to do things and to handle your business. And because things aren't going well and you're not into it in the middle of a season, I don't care. That's not the right time to do it. You're going to hang your team out to dry. And even though this is a sport and it's a business that we're trying to all make as much money as we can, there still is a team aspect of things. And I want to see people still finding a way to put their team first when they've made a commitment to the team. So shout out to Adam Vinatieri. I called him Monday afternoon. I said, I know you're going to retire, but don't do it because I want the opportunity to call Hawk out on our Wednesday podcast and tell him he's an idiot
0: (laughs) once again. Yeah, Tom Brady was upset when I retired pre preseason. He still he texts me about all the time. Like you really hung us out the drive, man. Can't believe you did that. Um, that's obviously fake. Oh, so we're releasing our episode next week on Monday, not Sunday evening, because Joe will be at the Sunday night football with the Browns, and he will probably mm-hmm. be gone off the seventy three coach, so he won't be able to podcast. So Monday morning, we will get you all caught up on everything that is the tomahawk. Joe, you're fired our new co-host cj mccullum take us out joe hawk yourself